WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. My name is Dave Harinkiu. I will be your host as usual for the next hour. As always, my lovely co-host Megan to my left. Megan, how are you doing this Monday? I am doing fantastic, thank you. Great to hear. A lot, uh, a lot more time on the golf course this weekend. <laughs> um, not so much. Well, actually, I played on Saturday. I don't know if that counts. Um, not so much working this weekend, though. Okay, so I, did Steve Williams caddy for you? Did he take all the credit <laughs> for uh, for no, how you no, played? No, no, no. I caddied myself. Drove around my own cart, you know. <laughs> no, that's great to hear. Um, good to hear you had a good weekend. Uh, we also have a guest spot here on the show today. Coming back again, James Akers. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Great to have you on the show. You have a good weekend yourself yes i did oh lots that's of work fa- lots of work well i gotta make the money so that's good to hear everyone had a good weekend hope all of our listeners out there had a great weekend it uh, was a really nice weekend and uh the summer's kind of coming to a close it's kind of crazy always how fast summer flies by we're already at august 8th so uh people don't ever complain about the weather enjoy it okay but we have a lot to get to on today's show in the sports world uh, we're definitely gonna be talking about the detroit tigers have a four game lead now in the central division over the cleveland indians starting a very big series here with the indians on tuesday so we're definitely going to be delving into that we'll also get into a little jim leland dave dombrowski news that broke today we're also going to be discussing just some of the other divisions in baseball i got some close races going on right there want to pay some attention to some of those races that are going on right now we'll also be getting to the lions a lot to talk about with the lions um, a lot of injuries that this team has taken on in training camp um, which is really starting to worry me a little bit with some of these injuries so we'll definitely be getting to that talk about some of the other teams and the acquisitions they have made how we think they're going to be looking also got a little uh, detroit Pistons for you always want to talk a little lawrence frank can't get enough okay so we'll be talking about that we got nascar for you at the end we even have some soccer news for you which is absurd, but we have it. Uh, So uh, definitely stay tuned. It's going to be a great show. And we are going to kick it off, though, with the Detroit Tigers and baseball. Um, Today, Mike Illich made uh, extensions for Jim Leland and Dave Dombrowski. Jim Leland uh, is going to be renewed through 2012, and Dave Dombrowski is getting a four-year deal that will take him through the 2015 season. Now, there has been no money um, said how much they're going to be receiving for these contract extensions, and that really doesn't matter. It's not the point. Uh, But here's a quote from Jim Leland regarding Dave Dombrowski. Jim Leland says, quote, Dave has been a solid foundation for this organization and assembled competitive teams that give us a chance to win year in and year out out end quote and he says quote i know jim shares our desire to deliver a win we are pleased to have him continuing leading the detroit tigers on the field end quote so you know jim really loves dave dombrowski um dombrowski uh he took over this team in november of 2001 after you know just this team had been playing horrible one of the worst franchises in baseball got him through their horrible horrible season of 43 and 119 then got him into the playoffs in 2006 in a great run beating new york in the wild card spot beating the Oakland Athletics, getting to the World Series against the St. Louis Cardinals, which a lot of people did not see this team doing after the struggles they had had in the past. Um, Dombrowski really has made some great acquisitions along the line, getting Cabrera. He's had some stumbles getting guys like Renteria. But overall, I think Dombrowski has done a a really great job as the president, CEO, and general manager of the Detroit Tigers. Now, Jim Leland, he has been with us since 2006. He has a 485 and 442 record as a Detroit 
Detroit Tiger skipper. Now, my question, starting with you, Megan, um, you know, we have about 50 games left in the season. Detroit does have a four-game lead here against Cleveland. And we, had, we had talked about before whether they should have contract extensions for both of these guys. Is it right or wrong? Was this early by Mike Illich to give these guys these extensions? I mean, Leland only getting one more year in 2012. They haven't won the division yet. Do you think it was a move just to kind of say, all right, we believe in our guys, let's win, let's focus on these next 50 games, or was it maybe a little too quick? I honestly, no, I don't think so. If you want to compare last year to this year, especially with the team, um, we totally fell off at the end of the season, or I'm sorry, the middle of the season after the All-Star break, yep. and just weren't really a team anymore, just someone to watch every once in a while. Um, this year, though, I think they've been pretty, they, we kind of had a scare, I think, after a couple weeks after the All-Star break, but then we're, we're doing well. We're staying pretty consistent. I think it was a good move to to just do one more year with Jim Leland, just to see what he has left. I don't think it's premature at all. Okay. I think partially it is to say we believe in them. Like, we're not going to fall apart. This is how it's going to be. Um, even judging from what Dombrowski's done this year, too, with the whole move with Inge and everything like that, he's kind of shown himself to be a good, I think, a good um, spokesperson, I guess you could say, for the Tigers. Picking up better meat, getting yeah. Fister, Paul, yeah, not I really th- giving up too much. I think, yeah, I think, he, I think he's done very well. And to put him in a, a few years, you said four, right? Yeah, Dombrowski be extended through 2015. I I think I think they were I don't think they were premature. I think they were good moves on um, on Illich's part. Okay, great, James. Uh, you know, same question. I mean, do you think that maybe uh, Illich got kind of little too early, little too fast, or it's fine? You know, just kind of make sure the house is in order. We have our guys set here at Leland another you know year after this. Dombrowski for another four. What do you think of the What do you think of the move? Well, I think that uh, the Dombrowski move was a great move. I mean, he's he's done so much for. The organization. He's brought in great big names. He's kept big names who've who haven't played great, but you know, are starting to get back into a rhythm. Um, so you, you've got to turn around and uh, you know give him a few more years on his contract for that. The Leland situation. I think it could be too early. It's possible that it could be too early. We have to really see how the end of the season plays out. But um, I feel like it's, uh, it's it's something they kind of needed to do for our team. I mean, no one. No one really wants to have that in the locker room, you know, that to be up in the air. Will he be here next season? That's just something to distract the team, something we really don't need. Okay, no, I mean, I can definitely, um, I can agree with that. Um, I agree with the Dombrowski thing. I, I always said I think Dombrowski really has done a good job. Even if they were to fire Leland, let's say hypothetically, if they didn't make the playoffs, then I still think having Dombrowski around is the right move. Um, with Leland, like you said, I think it's more important to keep that house in order they're only renewing him for 2012. So even if, let's say, they have some monumental collapse, then they will get rid of him in 2012 or at some point in that season. So I still see I see it as an overall good thing. Um, you, you know, put some confidence behind your skipper and your team in general. I think you made a good point, James, talking about just the clubhouse needs to know this is our guy. He's going to stick around. We have him no matter what through this year and next year. So I do think that's a good thing. Um, talking about just the one-year extension, uh, Leland said, quote, I'm 60-some I'm sixty years old. I don't really need that type of security. But hopefully if we do good next year and I've got my health, hopefully they'll want me to do another year, end quote. So Leland's completely content with the one-year extension. He wasn't expecting some gigantic three- to four-year extension. He is getting older, needs to make sure that his health is right and everything's good. Overall, I love it. I, I really don't have a problem with it. If the Tigers somehow blow this up, though, and somehow miss the playoffs here, because I do think they're going to win the division. I really do. If they don't, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Then you got Leland. I mean, everyone always says, well, if you don't, okay, you fire Leland, who are you going to get? I don't know. There's a lot of skippers out there. 
You know, it's tough to say, but I mean, we will see how this team finishes off. Overall, I think Illich did the right thing in getting these guys back on board here. Um, the Tigers have also extended the contracts of Al Alvila, who is uh, he's the assistant general manager, and that's Alex Avila's father. Al Alvila doesn't like being called Avila, though, so that's why it's Avila. Uh, David Chad is in charge of the Tigers' amateur sc- uh, scouting. He's got his contract extended, and Scott Reed, who assists with player personnel, and John Westoff, the team's legal counsel, all got extensions here with the Detroit Tigers. So good for those guys, and, you know, let's just let's win this division. Bottom line, let's get it done, get to the playoffs. But uh, on a different note, um, I'm going to go over uh, the series uh, last week. We're going to talk Texas and Kansas City. Um, Texas series, which, uh, you know, going into that series, thought it was going to be a very difficult series. Texas, who has a lot of good pitching, um, they really have bats that can back that up as well. Uh, we started that series off on Tuesday night against Texas. This is at Comerica Park in a very close game, which the Tigers like to be playing a lot lately. Tigers love playing close games these days. Tigers win 6-5 to five in uh, a very uh, back-and-forth game, uh, a game that the Tigers looked like they really had it. it just, they had a three-run lead. They really looked like they had it. It was 5-2, to two, and Ben Walker comes in in the eighth, gives up a solo shot, then gives up a two-run shot to tie this game up at 5-5. Five to five. And then our boy Brennan Bosch comes in in the eighth inning with the rain coming down and hits a solo shot to put us up 6-5. to five. Valverde gets a save. Um, a great win for the Tigers. Benoit almost blew it, but Bosch, who had a great at-bat, if anyone saw this, and again, in the rain, took that change up and absolutely destroyed it. So great for Brennan Bosch. Um, Wednesday, uh, Doug Fister, this guy, uh, you know, we just acquired him from the Mariners about a week ago. Um, got his first start here with the Tigers on Wednesday against Texas. And Fister did a great job. Uh, Doug Fister, who uh, is a guy who pitches to a lot of contact. He's not some guy that's going to wow you with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, but he's going to have guys pop out on you, and he's going to get a lot of ground outs. He went seven innings, gave up eight hits, only two earned runs. He had no walks and no strikeouts. And what's interesting about that stat is that Doug Fister becomes the first Tiger to go seven or more innings without a walk or a strikeout since Justin Verlander on May 17th of 2006. So Doug Fister really came out, in my opinion, and did a really good job. Uh, I think, uh, you know, eight hits, maybe a little more hits than you'd like giving up. But nonetheless, they got it done. I think he pitched very well. So uh, great job by Doug Fister. I think he's really going to be a good improvement here for our ball club. Um, looking on that, looking at that game as well on uh, Friday, which uh, and we don't even really want to talk about the game Thursday against uh, Texas. Uh, Brad Penny did not have a bad outing necessarily, but uh, Tigers lose 5-2. to two. Uh, Penny just not being able to really get it together. Uh, he, the guy's 7-9 and nine right now. He just he really needs to work on consistency. He hasn't had it uh, that much at all recently as to why he's going to be skipped in the rotation here in the Cleveland series. We will get to that in a moment. But real fast, back to Doug Fister. Talking about efficiency, though, he, picked, he had 99 pitches in that Wednesday game but only, and had 73 strikes out of those 99 pitches, which was just fantastic. A, a guy that has that kind of control and that kind of command of the ball to me, is way more important than a guy that can just blow you away with a really great fastball. Uh, you know, I think Doug Fister came in and did a fantastic job. So great job by Fister. Real fast, looking at Friday's game. Friday's game, every game of this series was four to three against the Kansas City Royals, which makes it a very interesting series. And on Friday, we were at KC. This game went ten innings, and Bosch. Uh, he hit the go-ahead RBI in the 10th. Again, Bosch getting the extra RBI, hitting the solo shot again on Tuesday against Texas. Bosch playing fantastic in the clutch, really having good at-bats. 
He's had a great eye this year, a lot more patient, not just swinging through everything. He really has been working the count. It's great to see for Brennan really maturing in that fashion. Uh, looking at Saturday's game, our boy JV gets on the mound. And as we all expect, it should be a win, right, when Justin Verlander pitches. And it was. It was a close game. It was a closer game than I think a lot of people might have thought. But JV goes seven innings, gives up five hits, three earned runs, eight strikeouts, two walks. Pretty darn good outing for Justin Verlander. He has 16 wins on the season now to match uh, CC Sabathia with win total. So great job by JV. He did get into some trouble, but, you know, he can't be perfect. I know it's Justin Verlander, but the guy's going to make some mistakes here and there. And then, like the Tigers seem to have been doing recently, they win the first two games of the series, and they lose the third. It's not the worst thing in the world. You're playing with house money in a lot of ways. You've already won the series. But on Sunday, uh, Tigers cannot get it done. Uh, they lose 4-3 to three in this game. Um, it, it wasn't a bad game. The Tigers did come back. There was like a 45-minute delay in the game because of wind that was just out of this world. Uh, just ridiculous wind. I did not catch the crazy windy part. But after reading and talking about it, I mean, James, you were telling me about it, what the wind was just going insane. It was crazy. I mean, things from the stands were just flying all over the field. I mean, people were losing their hats left and right. I mean, one of the plays uh, after one of the hits, I'm not really sure who it was that hit the ball, but it was a line drive straight to the shortstop and somehow ended up um, in left field. Yeah, so it was a real windy day. I mean, Bruce Chen did a great job. Um, he got it done, really locking the Tigers down early. Tigers really did fight back. They had a great seventh inning to make it 4-3. to three. They just couldn't get over the hump and tie of the game. Nonetheless, the Tigers win both series against the Rangers and the Royals. So, really good job there. Four games lead over Cleveland right now in the Central. They have a five-and-a-half game lead over the Chicago White Sox, a 10-game lead over Minnesota, and a 12-game lead over the Kansas City Royals. Minnesota really falling apart in a complete uh, just avalanche landslide at this point, Chicago beating up on them um, the entire series. So, uh, you know, Megan, I want to ask you, um, you see how the Tigers have been four games up now. You know, it's good they've been kind of maintaining this three- to four-game lead. We're going into Cleveland here Tuesday through Thursday. Tigers have the day off today, get some time to rest. Do you think the Tigers are going to come out in this Cleveland series and really really stretch this lead out in the division? Are you maybe seeing it after this series? We're just back to like a four-game four game lead, maybe three-game lead, five-game lead. Or do you really think they might start to pull away? I'm not sure about them pulling away. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the Indians, they've just kind of been coasting. They haven't been doing much lately. Um, and we've been kind of, you know, the same way. Like, two wins and a loss, two wins and a loss, like that kind of thing. It's just kind of how we've been. I don't see us extending the lead tremendously, maybe maybe a one game or something. Yeah. Um, I don't see us pulling ahead five or six or something. Because um, I, I just think, just judging by how it's been, I mean, I watched Sunday's game where we lost, and I was just a little baffled, I guess. They got up 3 to nothing, and I was like, oh, crap. You know, and that's when they had the bad wind and everything like that. Yep. And uh, I was watching that, too, and I kind of quit watching after a while just because I was like, oh, it's like a home run, and then someone else, and then an RBI, and an error, and I'm like, eh, we got to pick this up, you know, that kind of thing. Um, just how close the games have been lately, too. You know, um, even with the Royals, who are an amateur team, I guess. They aren't the greatest. <laughs> and we were just 4-3, 4-3, like you said. I just Going into the Indians, yeah, they are a little bit more difficult than the Royals. Oh, yeah, beat. definitely. 
And I just think maybe it might be a back and forth. I don't see us sweeping them. Okay. I see us maybe losing one. So he's two out of three? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not not seeing them taking the whole series. Okay, and real fast, I mean, I want to ask you the same question, but even, you know, that, um, you know, just to know the pitching matchups, Tuesday, Fister is going to be taking on Masterson. And Masterson may be one of their best pitchers. I know Jimenez is going to be going on Wednesday against Mm -hmm. Porcello, but Masterson who, with only nine wins, but he has a 2.63 ERA, a 1.17 whip, which is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Masterson, just unfortunately, that happens with some pitchers. They, you, you know, just yeah. had the bad luck of not getting the wins, no matter how well you're pitching that season. Doug Fister, perfect example out there in Seattle when he was with the Mariners. But you have Fister versus Masterson on Tuesday. Porcello will take on Jimenez on Wednesday. And Verlander will face Carmona on Thursday. So, James, looking at those three separate pitching duels, do you see us sweeping them, or do you see, like Megan was saying, two out of three, or maybe even one out of three? I mean, what do you see for the Tigers here in this series? I could see two out of three. I mean, I, I don't see a sweep. Um, Masterson's just a tremendous pitcher. <coughs> I mean, I've just been a fan, fan of his since he's been in the league, just the way he uh, he goes about playing in the game. I mean, the guy is focused. He, uh, he's got some really good pitches. Um, if he can get the run support, he'll win games, and he hasn't been able to get it in some of his previous games that he's played. Yes. Um, the Tigers are really going to have to come to bat well that game for us to pull that one out. I would really like to see the win for Fister, you know, because he's a quality pitcher also. But um, I'm, I would I would say that they're probably going to win two out of three. So out of those three matchups, which one are you seeing the loss at? Because I don't think Verlander is going to destroy Carmona. Carmona's garbage. I see Masterson getting the win. So, yeah, you think tomorrow Masterson gets it done. Right. Okay. Uh, out of those three, I mean, I know you're saying two out of three as well. Which Would you see the loss with, I mean, let's just let's just assume JV gets his win on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So it's between the other two. Who's going to get, Fister Porcello, who's going to take the loss? Yeah, I'm saying the you're same as him. Yeah, um, just because Fister's so new to the team, too. And like you said, Masterson's a good pitcher. And we all know, I mean, not to assume, because JV has lost some games. Of but, course, he's lost five. Yeah, and but I just think, there's for how he's been lately, I don't see him losing at all. So, and the other one, I just, eh, not really. <laughs> so like, nah, not yeah. really. Yeah, so, yeah, I say the same thing as him. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with that as a loss as well on Tuesday. I don't want to. I think, Doug, like I said, Doug Fister did a great job on Wednesday against Texas. Um, he really did. But, you know, giving up eight hits, that can come to bite you in the butt. Um, they're lucky they didn't score more runs on those eight hits. But uh, nonetheless, Porcello, who I really think had a good outing, um, actually, on, uh, you know, the other day, just had no luck, really. You know, it was, they, we were up 3 nothing. He gave up, you know, he got taken out early, and I hate when they do this sometimes. Porcello gets taken out after putting some runners on, and before you know it, Coke gives up a you know a single. Pauly comes in like gives up a double. Before you know it, now you have like four or five uh, charge you know four runs charged to Porcello, and even Porcello said he had more in the tank. I think sometimes maybe Jim yanks guys a little early, especially Porcello. I think Porcello, if anyone, Porcello gets. I don't want to say babied, but coddled a little bit more by the team, by the pitching coach, you know, by, you know, Leland, when there are times when he could have gone out, I know, and finished, he had a complete game. I know that one game that he had easily could have went out in the ninth. I know you put Valverde in instead, but there's times I think Porcello needs to be left out there, especially when he's having that good of a game. He had a rough seventh at the first, but they still hadn't really even scored yet. So why are we yanking him right away? Kind of bothers me. I think, I think Porcello gets back. I think he stays in form. He won five straight starts. Before this loss that he took. And, you know, Jimenez, we'll see. The guy's good, but at the same time, you never know with him. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to follow up the year he had last year. It, it really is. And, you know, I think that's what a lot of this has been based off of. But he still is a, a darn good pitcher. But I think Porcello gets gets revenge on Wednesday. And Verlander 
Carmona's just no good. I mean, I, I think Verlander will have an easy time, and I think our bats will have an easy time. But getting to something very important, Victor Martinez um, sprained his left knee on Saturday's game against the Royals in a very weird, he was running from third base home. It really didn't look like much of anything, but yes, he sprained his left knee. And... Um, that's always a worry. Uh, Victor Martinez, who has been a catalyst for this team, he's hitting 342 in his last 63 games, and he's batting 556 with runners in scoring position since July 17th. So this is a guy you don't want to lose. He does not strike out often. Sure, he does not hit for a lot of power when it comes to home runs, but he's an RBI machine. And again, he's one of the best hitters in the league with a two-strike count. Um, uh, Jim Leland says, quote, I've got a good feeling about when I saw him walking to the bus this morning. It was pretty much normal, end quote. So they're looking like he's going to be going Tuesday. They're not positive on this. Leland says, quote, I think so, but I can't swear to it. The only thing that ever takes care of injuries is time, and I don't think it will take that much time, end quote. So they're looking for Victor to be back here soon. Any thoughts, James? I mean, I know when you hear left knee sprain and you see him wincing off the field, I, my, you know, my, you know, my th- I, I can't speak. I'm worried. I'm so worried when this goes down. Uh, you know, do you, obviously it's a great sign. Do you think he should be? He will be back in the series. I, I could see him come back to the series. Um, uh, I, I'm not too worried about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you you need to worry a little bit in a situation like that. The knee is so important. But I mean, he's a baseball player. He's been a baseball player for a long time. He's a tough guy. He, if he if he knows he can play through it, he's gonna play through it. And and I feel like that's what it's gonna come to is. Um, he might sit out a game or two, you know, get some rest and come back. Well, yeah, I mean, he didn't play Sunday, up. so he's getting that rest. He doesn't. We have the day off today, so he doesn't have to play today. I don't know. Maybe not Tuesday. I could see him coming back Wednesday. I, I don't want him to come back unless he is 100%. I know it stinks not to have him, but we have so many other bats on this team that I want Victor to get healthy and come back 100%. Don't come back 90%. We can play a few games without you. Right. And I just hope that's – I assume they're not going to rush him back. Just make sure he's ready to go. Um, another great news, Jose Valverde. The man has 32 consecutive converted saves, which ties Willie Hernandez of the 1984 Tigers for the team record in consecutive saves. So if he gets his 33rd save on Tuesday – he will have the all-time record, um, which is great. Uh, Jose, uh, not been the greatest, again, in non-save opportunities, but in save opportunities, he is automatic. So uh, good stuff for Jose Valverde, keeping it up. Got to love to see that. Um, also, in other news, uh, if anyone did not see this catch on Saturday with Austin Jackson, if you get a chance, if you want, check it out. It was uh, it was incredible. It was an amazing catch in the first inning, robbing a home run. Um, it was you know it was just a great hit. So uh, good job from Jackson there. And uh, here's another quick quote on Austin Jackson for the series here with the Cleveland Indians. Jackson is batting 360 and has 10 stolen bases in 23 career games against the Indians. So let's hopefully let's see if that keeps up. Uh, you know Jackson being our leadoff guy, always good to have him knocking the ball in. Um, and just uh, real fast, uh, again, these we have three games Tuesday through Thursday against Cleveland. After that, we will travel to Baltimore for three games Friday through Sunday against a team that really has fallen off completely. Um, I've always liked the Orioles. I was I was really excited when Buck Walter got them back on board last year and really doing well, but they've just fallen off in the East. The East has just completely ate them up this year, which there's nothing they can do about that. And really fast, speaking of quick games, uh, not quick games, but close games. The last six games the Tigers have played, they've been decided by a total of eight runs. Hmm. So it's been a very, the last six games have been very close. But the Tigers have won those games, most of them, so good for them. But let's go to the phone lines. we got a caller right now. Hey, how you doing? You're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Great, Dave. It's Blake. How you doing? Yeah, how you doing, Blake? 
Good. Uh, you know, quick fact that you just mentioned, I wasn't going to say this, but, uh, you know, we're still under, we've still scored less runs than our opponents. I know. Uh, for the year. Which is not good. I think our run different, I think we're negative four right now. Yeah, but which is pretty crazy to be up eight games. I'll, you can, you know, you can take good sides and bad sides on that. Good being that we're able to pull out close wins. Bad being that, uh, you know, we're still, we're still not, we're still not dominating the competition by any means. No, I definitely agree with that, Blake, and I, I do think that, you know, when you look at a team and how they're going to even perform in the playoffs or perform next season, that you look at, you know, runs scored and runs allowed is a great stat for that. And you see Minnesota, I think that's why they've struggled so much. They're minus 108 when it comes to their run differential, and that's just horrible. And I think that it really says a lot. The Tigers, even though like you said they've won these close games, that's great, but let's not rely on that. Um, yeah, real fast. Yeah. Real fast. So what do you think about Dombrowski and Leland uh, getting extended? Um, I'm happy with it. I think, I mean, I don't think it was too too early to call by any means for Leland. I mean, I think, you know, he's, he's done well over the past, what, when was he, 2006? So yeah. the past five seasons. Yeah, I think he's done pretty well. And Dombrowski, I, I love Dombrowski. He's he's kept us in there every year. You know, I mean, we're, we, we definitely, we, we haven't unloaded the bank by any means. So he's keeping us in there. I, I like Dombrowski a lot. All right, good stuff, Blake. I really appreciate the phone call. All right, have a good one. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, Tigers, uh, you know, I mean, as, as, as the prowess of the offense that this team has, they, the run differential, they have given up too many runs at times. I think a lot of those runs coming in that Mets series in interleague play, where they've given up 15 and, like, 12 runs yeah. in a couple games, which was absolutely absurd. But, uh, no, I'd, I still believe this, and I don't – I. Tigers will win this division, I believe. And I'm not saying that as a fan. I'm not saying that as someone who's loved the Tigers their entire life. I haven't seen a team like this put together in a long time for Detroit. I think this team's even better than the team in 06. So I think that they should win this division. Um, they have the talent. They have the pitching. Fister was a great pickup. Pauly, a great pickup as well. Uh, Betty Meat, still he's batting 282. He's getting it done. RBI machine. Won't bat for power, but he's getting hits. So I think this team is primed to make a run. Let's see them take care of it against Cleveland. Again, that'll start off Tuesday night. 7.05 is your start time. Doug Fister versus Masterson. Should be a good one. If you want to check it out, that'll be on Fox Sport Detroit. Uh, real fast, I know that we talked about this guy last week, uh, Jared Weaver. Um, he just can't let anything go. He just can't let it go. This guy keeps getting angry. He's an angry man. I think he knows he won't win the Cy Young. <laughs> but um, basically the question was, uh, it was asked about his, you know, are you going to retaliate to Carlos Guillen next season, you know, when he, the Tigers play the Angels? And uh, Jared Weaver's quote was, is he going to have a job next year? End quote. So he's an angry man. Um, he dropped his appeal of the suspension. Um, he just can't get over the taunt again. Did James real fast? Uh, Weaver being a baby. Oh yeah, big time. I mean, c- come on, you're a professional <laughs> here. You're getting paid to go out there and entertain people, and it's not very entertaining when you're opening your mouth saying things like that. Megan, I mean, do you think that Weaver is just just let it go? Like, is this really showing his character to be like, you know, look at this guy. He can't let anything go. I mean, what was it that big of a deal? He obviously thinks it is. I don't think Guillen even can remember it practically. Can can you remember it? <laughs> I used to remember Guillen staring him down in that <laughs> flick of the bat, which I would love forever. Yeah, I, I think he's. I 
think he's being a, uh, overacting, overreact, wow, overreacting just a little bit. Um, is he going to have a job next year? Well, seeing as how he's been playing, yes, I think he will have a job next yeah, year. Yeah, unless Guillen's knee explodes, yeah, I mean, I he will have a job next I year. I agree, and I think he's just finding every reason to be like, oh, I did the right thing, and he was wrong, and blah, 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 and like that kind of thing. So I just think, yeah, he's kind of overreacting. Yeah, I mean, when it come, I mean, when it comes to Sunday, I understand him getting upset during the game and yeah. yelling and cursing and doing whatever he was doing. I completely get that. And even his comments after, I don't think were that terrible. You know, he thought what he did was fine. Mm-hmm. But stop talking about it. It's a week later. Focus. You're in a division race with Texas. Focus on that. Right. Please, all right? You guys are like a game two back. Like, that's what you need to focus on right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're only a game back at Texas. So, Weaver, focus on what's important, okay? <laughs> Try to win your division first before you start complaining about seeing Guillen in 2012. Yeah, he's all no right? Verlander. You know, Verlander, he can play mad and play real well. Yes. He plays better when he's angry. Exactly. And that's what the greats do. The same. That is what the greats do. Michael Jordan, you can go down the line through certain athletes that when they get angry, when someone they play better. They raise their game up and certain guys get flustered in cave. Well, that kind of shows you the heart of a champion. <laughs> Kind of cliche, but... <laughs> yeah, but you're right. But, I mean, it's really true. But uh, we are going to take a quick break here, actually. Uh, when we jump back in, we're going to talk a little bit just about the individual divisions real fast in baseball. After that, we're going to jump right to football. A lot of Lions to talk about. We're going to have a little Pistons for you. NASCAR soccer, we got it all. You're listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to... Impact Exposure. Hey, what floor are you going to? <clears throat> oh, uh, three. Thanks. <coughs> hey, didn't we, uh, have... Yeah, that one class. Yeah, that's so funny to, <laughs> to see you, because I <coughs> thought maybe we could, uh... Would you ever want to, um... <coughs> I was wondering if you... If I could stick my finger in your eye. What? No. Oh, <clears throat> I just flushed some toilets and touched a doorknob. What? I've been keeping this moist Kleenex Ew, in my pocket. That's uh, so gross. I thought we could, you know, just stick my finger Ugh. in your eye. Is that weird? No! Don't touch me! What's wrong with you? Oh, sorry. Well, ever since you got in the elevator, you've been coughing all over your hands and pressing those buttons, so I just thought you were into that kind of thing. Free. Studies show that three-quarters of women and only half of men actually wash their hands in the bathroom. That's nasty. Stop the flu and other germs by regularly washing with soap and avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Or at cdc.gov slash clean hands. Impact 89 FM. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. From 10 p.m. until midnight Sunday nights, listen to the Impact Afterglow, where you can hear a variety of relaxed tracks to help you ease into the start of a new week. Only on Impact Primetime. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Dave, Megan, and James here with you. Got about a half hour left on the show, so a lot to get to, so let's get going. Uh, when looking at the divisions here, I just want to reevaluate the divisions real fast. I know we all made our picks uh, a few weeks ago on who we thought would win the divisions, and uh, some of them have gotten really close, and I just want to... Just reevaluate them real fast. Uh, looking at the AL East, Boston and New York. Uh, New York is one game behind Boston after Boston has just been decimating New York in the season uh, regular season series against them. Um, beat them last night in ten innings, uh, two uh, three to two. Um, again, Boston's got the one game lead. I think we all picked Boston to win this division. Megan, do you still see Boston staying on top, or do you think the Yankees might take the division lead? 
I still see Boston. I just think they're a better team than the Yankees um, this year. The Yankees are no, you know, usually good every year. It's not not any different this year, but I just think Boston's the better team out of the two of them. Okay, James. Yeah, I'm still sticking with Boston. Um, New York just doesn't have the pitching they typically have, the big names they typically have. Of course, they're going to be able to put up good po- uh, a lot of points, you know, some offense um, due to the small stadium and the quality of players they have, but Boston, I really feel like, is still going to run away with it. Yeah, I still got Boston. I think their pitching's too good, and I think uh, guys like when Ortiz is playing as well as he is, Jacoby Ellsbury, who's having a career year, um, Boston, I think, still takes it. I think the difference in this division race will be the six games left that Boston and New York play, mm-hmm. and with just Boston winning 10 of the 12 games they've played this season already, they just... New York has no answer for them, and I think that's your difference um, in who wins this division. Yankees get the wild card, I think, hands down. Unless they really fall apart, I think the Yankees get the wild card. Um, I think we're all still sticking with Detroit in the Central. Um, Looking at the AL West, Texas, only a one-game lead over the Angels right now. Uh, I'll go to you, Megan. Texas, uh, I think you picked Texas. I did. I think we all picked Texas. I think we did. Are you still sticking with Texas, or do you see the Angels coming up and uh, catching them? I'm still sticking with Texas. Um, I still think Texas is the better team out of the both of them. Um, I mean, you look at the Angels and how they kind of fell apart even against the Tigers, and after that and everything, it's just Texas, I just think, has been the better team all season. They did let them catch up a little bit, and the Angels are kind of catching up or whatever, but I'm still sticking with Texas. Okay, James, what do you Um, got? I'm going to stick with Texas still to – before, I thought Texas was going to completely run away with it. Um, so LA's got some good pitching, though. <laughs> I know. That's um, what I was thinking. They, they really do have some good pitching. They've got some quality uh, uh, players also. But Texas, I really feel like they're built to win this. I'll go. I'll stick with Texas for the one fact that their offense is hands over feet better than the Angels. Um, if you know guys, you know certain guys have just been struggling out there in uh, Los Angeles. And I know Ibar's had a good year, but you got a lot of guys. I mean, you look at Abreu, you look at some. They're just not getting it done. You know, Trumbo is probably their best player, and he's their rookie. Yeah. So I just think the offense. You know, the pitching Weaver, Heron, these guys. It could only get you so far. I know pitching's so vital, obviously, in baseball. But I'm gonna have to stick with Texas because they got a pretty darn good rotation as well. Uh, looking at the National League, Philadelphia absolutely slaughtering the league. They're 74 and 40 on the year, best best record in baseball. Um, they had their nine game winning streak uh, winning streak snapped the other day, but who cares? They're eight and a half games. They're eight and a half games better than Atlanta, and Atlanta is 17 games over 500. So, Phillies are playing incredible. Um, the Central, Central in the NL, Milwaukee has a three-game lead now over St. Louis. Cincinnati has fallen behind at nine and a half back. Pittsburgh at ten back. Um, really, I mean, Pittsburgh's lost ten games in a row. They've completely, completely fallen off. Um, James, I'll go to you first. I called Cincinnati, Cincinnati in this one. Um, I really thought that. They could put things together. They have some pretty good pitching. They've got some um, some quality players. Um, I really did not have faith in St. Louis, and I still don't mm-hmm. quite have faith in them. But I think that Milwaukee definitely wins this for sure. You think Milwaukee? Okay. Yeah. All right, Megan, uh, you got Milwaukee, St. Louis. Uh, you know, I mean, Milwaukee and St. Louis both won four games in a row. Milwaukee's 9-1 and one in their last ten games. Uh, do you think Milwaukee holds on and wins this, or St. Louis catches them? Because I know you picked Pittsburgh, I know, I was gonna say, and Pittsburgh's in a free fall right now. Just <laughs> after that blown call at home plate, they can't get a win for their life. So, I mean, it's really I like Milwaukee-St. Louis. Those are your two options because I don't see any of these other teams making some crazy run. Who do you got? I'm, I'm just going to hold on to Milwaukee. Okay. I think they're going to hold it off. I mean, like you said, you had Cincinnati. You're not seeing St. Louis doing it. I'm seeing the same thing. I'm just going to go with Milwaukee. All right. I'm sticking with St. Louis. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Brewers did win this division, but... 
I think St. Louis is playing great. I think it's going to really come down to the end. I won't be surprised if either team wins this, but I'm going to have to stick with my pick. It's really unbelievable where this pitching came from with uh, Milwaukee. Just out of nowhere, they're contenders, and they have outstanding pitching. Yeah, they do. And they're amazing at home. You talk about a team that has one of the best records at home. They're 41-15 and 15 yeah. at home this year, which is, I mean, you have the Philadelphia Phillies, which are 41-18. and 18. No other team's even close to those home records. So these teams at home are absolutely dominant. So, uh, yeah, I'm still sticking with St. Louis, though, when it comes to that. The NL West, which has really gotten juicy. San Francisco with only a half-game lead over the Diamondbacks at this point. James, I'll go to you first. I went. We, I think we all went Giants. I'm pretty sure of that. Do yes. you think the Diamondbacks can overtake San Francisco? Or, you know, San Francisco, the pitching is just too good, and they'll hold on. I think uh, Arizona's the only one in, in there that has an opportunity. Well, yeah, the Dodgers, the Rockies, the, the, the Rockies Padres, really they got nothing. Up just giving away so many people. Uh, Arizona, they do look good. They're young. They have a really young manager, who I'm a very big fan of. Gibby? For sure. But uh, San Francisco, the pitching, the bats, they've got it all. They're going to take that one. And uh, Megan. I agree. I'm going to stick with San Francisco. Um, Arizona, yeah, they did They did come back. They have a little bit, you know, pitching is decent, everything like that. But I still see um, San Francisco. Gotcha. I want Arizona to win this division. I will stick with the Giants because I do think their pitching is too good. And uh, they're too good in close games. Uh, they have the best record in the league in one-run games. And I think, you know, when you have Kane and you have, you know, Lincecum, it's, they, they're too good with their starting five. I'd love to see Arizona win this division, though. I, you know, but to say, if, if Barry Bonds was still on the Giants, <laughs> I'd be rooting for the Giants a little bit more. <laughs> it really amazes me with Philadelphia, just what they're doing. I mean, they, they lose players to injuries. They lose players to suspensions. And no matter what, they just seem to get it done. They keep on winning. They have one of the best rotations, in my opinion, in the whole league. And they just keep getting it done. And then they're off, their acquisitions at the trade deadline were just Hunter Pence. I mean, geez, what, yeah. what a pickup for Philadelphia to get Hunter Pence and the way he produces the second he gets out there. Philly's looking like... I mean, they have a quality sixth pitcher in Vance Worley. I know, this is ridiculous. It's amazing. It is incredible. But uh, those are your divisions for you. We'll obviously look at, look over those again here soon. About 50 games left in the season, so um, you know it's really crunch time. August, September, you're really going to see some heated battles. Wouldn't be surprised if you see some benches clearing um, sometime soon. But we are going to get to the Detroit Lions, um, a team that actually is playing its first preseason game of the season this Friday at Ford Field. Uh, it's going to be August 12th at uh, 7.30 will be your start time. But before we get to that preseason game, we got to talk about something that you know, it's very upsetting to talk about before one game has been played, and that's the injuries. Injuries and injuries and more injuries. And how many injuries does it take to break the Detroit Lions, I guess, is the question. Because right now, the Lions, in my opinion, are really going to have to make some new moves and do something with this. Michael LaShore, who was our second-round draft pick out of Illinois, a power running back, um, you know, a guy I was really looking forward to on the field. Uh, you know, we haven't had a guy like this in a while that can run the ball like this. Today, he got injured. It was a full pads practice. Um, it took place on a running play during 11-on-11 drills. Uh, basically, uh, Michael LaShore was carrying the ball. He was hit, hit high by defensive end Cliff Averill. And basically, uh, LaShore's foot got stuck in the ground. He got stood up, and he's torn his Achilles. He's out for the entire season. Um, you tear your Achilles, you're done. He's not going to be playing. Uh, real fast, James, what does this say now for the Detroit Lions and their running game? Maurice Morris, their third running back. 
He's out with a broken hand. Yes, Javid Best is your starting tailback. But what is this team going to do now at the running position? You have to go out and get somebody. I mean, if you've still got Kevin Smith and you still have Aaron Brown. Both are elusive backs with speed. They're they're pretty smart at the back position, but they're not bruisers. We have got to have a bruiser. I mean, like you said, we haven't had a bruiser in quite a while. Finally get him, and he can't stay healthy. Um, they've got to pick somebody up somehow. Uh huh. I mean, and just overall, I mean, I you know Michael Ashore. I mean, this guy who's supposed to be really good for us. Do you think they can? I mean. You know, Ricky Williams just got signed to the Ravens. You know, Ricky Williams is off the table now. I know the Lions would have loved to probably pursue him for a few bucks. They're not going to be able to get him. How important is it for this team to get a fresh running, get a new running back in here? I mean, this guy, he's not going to be out for six weeks, two months. He's out for the year. Mm -hmm. And I know he's a rookie, but when you're drafting a guy second, a power back like that, he's going to come in and produce for you immediately. What do the Lions, do the Lions need to rush out and get something done immediately? I think with the season quickly approaching, um, especially we have a couple more weeks until we get into preseason. And I know we say preseason joke, you know, they don't really, they can't determine much. Seeing as the year we went on 16, we won our four preseason games. Yep. Um, they need to get someone out there. They need to get so, or they need to get them quick so that they can get accustomed to the team. They can get used to them. We can figure out their style of play. We can figure out how to make them, how to incorporate them right into the team. I don't know what it is about the Lions, but they just cannot stay healthy for the life of themselves. We had this problem last year too, and even like if you want to look at Detroit in general, are the the Red Wings and the Tigers. We all have problems staying healthy. Everything's always hurt, but I think it's extremely important. We need to get someone, but we need to be smart about it. Yes. We can't spend a ton of money on a guy after you said he was a number two. And they won't be able to do that exactly. anyhow. I mean, the, with the $120 million salary cap that has been re, that this new uh, you know CBA agreement, it's, it's really tough. They're going to have to cut their roster to 53 guys before the first game of the season on September 11th or 7th. I think it's the 11th. Um, you know, so they're really going to have to you know make some wise moves here mm-hmm. when it comes to getting a new guy. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, talking about injury, though, um, Titus Young as well. Hamstring injury, um, more or less day-to-day. It's nothing that's extremely severe, but he got injured his first day of practice. So he really hasn't been able to do anything in training camp. You look at Nick Fairley, he broke his foot. He's going to miss all of training camp. Our top three draft picks, all injured. All not getting any time in camp, especially in a season where you had a season condensed into three weeks. An off-season condensed into three weeks, excuse me. And I just really think that's a big issue. And I think that, like you're talking preseason, I don't think preseason is a big deal usually ever. I think it's a great shot for guys to find those three, fourth, third spot, fourth spot, fifth spot on the, you know, uh-huh. for the lineup. That's what it's for. But when you don't have guys that have a chance to even go to training camp, really, they're not going to be able to play in preseason. Hopefully, maybe, you wonder how prepared they can be. I mean, how ready can they be? I know they weren't trying to you know, work Nick Fairley, and immediately he was not going to come in like an Indama Kasu and just play every snap and dominate immediately. They were going to slowly work him in. At least that's what Marty Mayhew and Jim Schwartz were saying. But to, your, to you, James, what do the Lions – I mean, the, with these injuries, how much is this going to hamper the Lions here? I mean, you have Jeff Backus with the pectoral you know, strain in his muscle. Uh, you know, what is it? Afonso Smith has a broken foot, cornerback. Luis Delmas, he's got a finger injury. Um, you know, what, Fox? You know, Fox just, you know, uh, I forget what Fox just injured. You can look that up real fast, but um, let's see what we got here. Oh, yeah, Gosder Cheraldis, he's been out. Um, you know, uh, Jason Fox, he's out now. I mean, you have all these guys out before the season starts. Are the... You know, everyone was so high on the Lions. Everyone's talking playoffs. Everyone, you got even Peter King from Sports Illustrated saying Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, 
with these injuries, do you have to take a step back and say, well, let's let's reevaluate how these Lions are going to do this year? Of course you do. You definitely have to take a look at it again. Um, with the injuries, uh, I think the really the the big thing is the injury at cornerback. Um, like I was saying earlier, we only have five cornerbacks, one of them who is injured. Um, at the tackle position, I'm not too worried about it. We've got five different players that could play the tackle position and probably play it pretty well. Um, it's, but still, at this point, you know, I'm I'm not as high on the Lions as I previously was. Yes. Um, but there are there are opportunities out there to uh, fill these spots. Um, what I've heard uh, at the running back position is uh, Jerome Harrison, who played for Cleveland for three years. Yep. Uh, he was a fifth round pick three years ago. He's not going to demand a lot of money. He's a bruiser. He's a big guy. So that's a big name that is definitely a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still there's still people out there to go and get Lawrence Maroney from uh, New England. He's probably not going to stick around with them, seeing that they're pretty deep at the running back position. So I mean, if they can go out and get a few more names, nothing huge, you know, not a lot of pay, then uh, we could be right back into the playoff talks. Right back into it, okay? Because I mean, that's the thing is that I think everyone got really excited about a Lions team that you know they did win their last four games of the season last year, which was great. It's still a six and ten ball club. And, you know, I see this team. I'm not going to make a definite pick yet. I see them around 8-8, eight and eight, um, roughly around there. You could go as high as 9-7, and seven, as low as 7-9. and nine. I think they're right in that area. And it just what bothers me is with the short, condensed offseason that you don't have a lot of time to figure this stuff out. And that's what kind of worries me, especially with young guys like Titus Young and especially Michael Ashore. Michael Ashore being out, that it's horrible. And Titus Young... He, it's a, a wide receiver needs time running routes. He can't be a guy standing on the sidelines just being told. Well, no, you got you have to be on the field doing it. And I think that's what really hurts there. Uh, but like you were talking about, um, Schwartz was actually joking that the team. I guess this was an article out of the Debt News. Um, Schwartz was, uh, joked the team was giving away IVs for free after cornerbacks Eric Wright and Maurice uh, Leggett left practice because of dehydration. So uh, <laughs> that's just pretty funny. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, just, you know, a lot of injuries. Like I said, Backus with his pectoral, uh, Gosser Chairless with his knee, Titus Young still out, Alfonso Smith, Luis Delmas, you know, Jason Fox. A lot of guys injured, and we haven't played a lick of the regular season or preseason yet. And that's the thing is that, you know, especially in a sport like football, I think o- almost only in a sport like football do you have season-ending injuries happening in practice. I, I think you, you obviously you have injuries without a doubt in practice in baseball and basketball and hockey, but I think football is a different monster. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking about this. I talked to someone earlier about it. I want to ask you guys and our listeners, do you think guys go too hard in practice? Obviously, you need to have them in game-type speed, ready to go. But are they going too hard? Do guys maybe hit too hard? Or are they going at too hard? Or is this just a, you know, it's just one of those freak fluke accidents. Phone number is 517-432-3893. James, I want to get your opinion on that real fast. Do you just think it's a freak accident? Or maybe at times, because it's a shortened off season, are the coaches pushing? Because you've seen a number of guys already be injured in training camp. Are they pushing their guys a little too hard, just try to rush them to be prepared? Or was it a freak thing? I, I think it could have been a freak accident, but I think that it could very well be that, that they're pushing themselves too hard. I mean, if you look at the injury to LaShore, he's trying to prove right now that he can be a running back in our system. He's trying to learn. Um, people have had good things to say about him. People have said that, you know, he kind of came out of the gate slow. So maybe he's just trying to, you know, impress the coaches. And then you look at Cliff Avril. 
he just signed a big contract. You know, maybe he's trying to get out there and, you know, put his stamp on things. And he was the one that com- that created this injury. Yeah. You know? And I'm not going to blame Cliff, of, you no. know, Cliff Averill. I mean, it happens. Yeah, well, it definitely wasn't I just, fault. You know, I wonder. It's not like I've been to these practices. I haven't been to any of these two-a-days. I haven't been to any of them ever. But I just always wonder, like you said, are guys trying too hard because they want that spot? Or as the coach sometimes pushing them too hard, at least in this shortened offseason, to get guys ready and have to make those decisions. You know, you have a 90-man roster roughly right now. you got to cut that to 53. So that's a lot of decisions being made. And not to mention, you look at the wide receiver spot. You know, eight, you know, we have three guaranteed receivers, obviously, and, you know, Calvin Johnson, Nate Burleson, and Titus Young when he's ready. But you still have eight other spots wide open for one spot. Eight guys for one spot. So, and, I mean, and all these guys are young. And all these guys are young talent. Exactly. So it's just it's it's a weird thing. I just hope the Lions can really figure out that running back because I don't think Javid Best is a guy that you can rely on all season. Uh, I personally don't think so, and he's a tiny little guy. He's not power at all. He's fast on the corners, but you know you need. A, I want a north south runner for the Detroit Lions, not just a guy who's always going east west. But uh, real fast, again, Ricky Williams, we had just talked about him a moment ago. Um, he has signed with the Baltimore Ravens today. Um, he's 34 years old, signed a two-year deal worth $2.5 million, and incentives could push the deal to $4 million. Uh, Ricky Williams had 159 carries for 673 yards, two touchdowns in 2010 for the Dolphins. And uh, he actually had a 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns in 2009. So real fast, good pickup for... Uh, Ravens? Yeah, I like I it. So they'd like to run the ball a lot. You know, they're going to need uh, some uh, some legs in there that, you know, aren't going to be taking all the snaps. Yeah, no, very true. No, I always love Ricky Williams, his free will and attitude. Um, but, uh, yeah, Ricky should be a good addition there uh, to Baltimore. Uh, real fast, uh, now let's stay on this for a second. I uh, just want to let everyone know what about the preseason games that are actually coming up here uh, very soon. Again, the Lions are going to be playing the Cincinnati Bengals on Friday night. Um, that game is going to take place, again, at Ford Field at 7.30 p.m. Real fast, Megan, I know, like you said, we went 4-0 in 2008, go 0-16, mm-hmm. wins, losses, whatever. I just like to see the guys out there that are playing look good, win or, lo- win or lose. Do you think the Lions uh, get a preseason win here to kick off the year? Sure. I mean, I don't know. I mean, with with their injuries, it could be a little iffy, um, also depending on how, how hard the teams want to go. A lot of it's, I think, them getting used to each other um, with everything. I, I could see them winning it. I mean, they did it. They did it back in their 0-16 year. They can do it again. So, yeah, I, I mean, the Bengals, eh. I think the Lions can beat them. All right, James. Uh, it's, Since you're Detroit. I see them having a pretty good uh, preseason. I, I could see them, uh, you know, pulling maybe three wins out of it. Okay, so you think you think they'll beat Cincinnati, though, on Friday? Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I think they'll beat Cincinnati, too. I mean, Carson Palmer's all but out the door. And then you have Jordan Palmer and uh, Dalton from TCU. So, I mean, but I don't know who's starting. Over there. They have no idea who's starting. So, I mean, we'll see. You look at their next preseason game, Friday, August 19th. They're going to be playing at Cleveland. So, uh, I guess we'll see some Brady Quinn or whatever's going on down there. Um, their next uh, preseason game is going to be against somebody. Brady <laughs> Quinn is actually with Denver. People are, are – really? Yeah. See, this is why I need to like research for hours and hours all these offseason trades. And then week four, Detroit's at Buffalo. So who's the starting quarterback in Cleveland right now? Uh, you know, to, to be honest, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know I don't either. They, know. I, they, they don't know either. <laughs> Surprise! I guess Tebow has been put on the two with the depth chart there yeah, in Denver. That. So Orton, as should be, Orton is going to be starting for Denver Again, as it should be. But, yeah, I think the Lions will have no problem with Cincinnati. I'd just like to see how they look out there. But we will see. Uh, Megan, you want to do NASCAR right now? I would love to. Awesome. All right. So, 
Fun stuff, guys. Um, we are at Pano or Pocono. I'm sorry. Pocono. Pocono. There we go. Pocono. <laughs> For the um, whoa, yeah, the Good Sam RV Insurance 500. Um, this was yesterday. And we, our winner was Brad Keselowski. I have, a, I have a cool thing to tell you guys about, but I'll give you the lineup, the little rundown real quick. Kyle Busch, second. Kurt Busch, third. Jimmy Johnson, fourth. Ryan Newman, fifth. Jeff Gordon, sixth. Um, Dale Earnhardt finished ninth. So top ten there. Um, we had five cautions, you know, three-and-a-half-hour race, a little longer. Um, I mean, it wasn't super-duper exciting, but I will tell you guys the really exciting part about this. We're about halfway through the season right now. I just want to let everyone know. So this is when it's kind of starting getting down to the grind. You know, they changed the whole thing. Wild card, all that stuff. Yep. You have to have two wild card spots, 12, yep. 12 uh, drivers. 11, 11 to 20. Um, whoever has more than one victory, um, they claim the wild card spots. Mm -hmm. Kozlowski actually has two. So he's actually the first contender. He's the only one in 11 to 20 okay. um, that has over two races. So he could secure the first wild card spot if he holds on to it. And if we have no repeats, um, we could have one more, but then it might knock him out. But um, Kozlowski was actually, he won the race with a broken left ankle. Nice. Yes. So he actually. Did they say how he broke his yeah, ankle? Yeah, he was. It says injured in a hard crash during testing Wednesday at Road Atlanta, um, and basically, yeah, he had a left broken ankle, and he was just. Uh, I was just, his his quotes are kind of corny, but I'll tell you guys them. Um, <laughs> he said, "I'm no hero. The heroes are the guys who died in Afghanistan this week. I want to spend time thinking about them. They're my inspiration for this weekend." The things that those guys do, I'm glad we could win today, but those are the heroes. I just drive race cars for a living. And then Kurt Busch, who's actually his teammate for Penske Racing, said it's amazing what the body can do for him to go through that wreck this week and get back on his horse right away and find success. That's only going to make Greg Keselowski a better racer. So it was actually, that's a really interesting thing. I'm surprised he actually did, but this isn't, I mean, it's not contact stuff. You're not playing football where you can just run out there with a broken ankle, but still. So drive, I, oh, also in this race, I want to, I totally forgot about this part. They ended up stopping the race in lap 124 because it was raining too much too hard. okay yeah. so they had to stop it for a while hoping it would continue and then it stopped and they continued the so race. you got out there and got it done yep so and, and where's the race next week next week is at watkins Glen. okay it's the hell of a good sour cream dips at the Glen. that's right and then the week after that is actually at my ass so we're gonna be back in michigan awesome. um i think it's the 21st yeah it's the 21st and i'm actually gonna be at that race so i can give you guys a first hand it's great first hand uh you know i'm actually five rows up from the finish line so that's pretty awesome i've never been to a nascar be race or anything <laughs> like that so no that's great yeah so that's nascar for you guys all right good stuff great to hear megan uh good other quick news real fast uh, this is nothing too crazy important but uh, espn has finalized uh the network and time assignments for the big 10 acc challenge this is college basketball we're talking about right now uh, michigan will get the ball rolling at 7 p.m against virginia on tuesday november 29th that game will be on espn too and on the next night wednesday night uh, Wednesday, November 30th, Michigan State will play host to Florida State at 7.30 p.m. That game will be on ESPN. If you want to see the whole schedule, uh, go to uh, DetroitNews.com. Um, it's on there. It has all the games. Uh, the Big Ten ACC Challenge is always very fun. Um, you know, really kind of, at least for me, gets me really excited about the college basketball season. So, uh, again, November 29th and 30th is when the Big Ten ACC Challenge will kick off. 
Also, real quick, in other news, um, on Saturday night, the NFL Hall of Fame inducted a few people to it, and uh, Deion Sanders and Marshall Falk are entering the Hall of Fame in their first year of eligibility. Also, Shannon Sharp, Richard Dent, Chris Hanberger, Les Richter, and Ed Sabol also were put into the uh, Hall of Fame, uh, which uh, you know was a you know decent sized audience, about thirteen thousand people. Uh, they say lower than usual, but whatever, really. Um, I think people are quite busy, like they were saying with the. After the lockout team, you know, people don't have as much time to just go to some Hall of Fame induction. But, uh, you know, it's great to see. I've always loved Deion Sanders. Um, Here's a quote from Deion about being inducted to the Hall of Fame. He says, quote, "Uh, This game taught me how to be a man. This game taught me if I get knocked down, I get to get my butt back up. I always had a rule in life that I would never love anything that couldn't love me back. It taught me how to be a man, how to get up, how to live through pain. taught me so much about people, timing, focus, dedication, submitting oneself sacrificing. If your dream ain't bigger than you, there's a problem with your dream, end quote. Uh, Dion also, who played baseball, he was an <clears throat> all-state athlete in three sports in high school, a tremendous athlete in every way. Uh, congratulations to Dion and Marshall Falk, two fantastic football players. Um, great to see them getting inducted in their first year. And also, we have another goofy, real, a goofy story real fast. It's just so silly. Uh, let's see. Real Madrid has signed a seven-year-old soccer prodigy from Argentina, who goes by the name Leo. Um, his name is Lionel Angel Correa, signed with the Spanish club and will begin training September 6th. Uh, Madrid spokeswoman Juan Tabiador told the AP on Monday. Um, yeah, this kid, he's seven years old. Uh, they made the push to sign this kid because the Spanish league rival at Teleco Madrid was also pursuing the youngster. Um, let's see, Barcelona, Barcelona signed Messi, if everyone knows Lionel Messi, um, from Argentina's club, Newell's Old Boys, as a teenager. And he's gone on to win the World Player of the Year War two times and also helped Barcelona win 15 separate trophies. So real fast, Megan, I mean, what do you think when you hear a seven-year-old just got signed to Real Madrid? I know I'm not big into soccer. I know you're not big into soccer. Not many people in this country are big into soccer. But that a seven-year-old gets signed, what do you think of it? He must be something. <laughs> uh, I had a friend when I was in Switzerland who actually um, played for the Swiss team back when he was in seventh grade. So he was twelve when okay. he got signed. Um, it's it's possible soccer soccer out there is like life. Oh yeah. And so they play from this big to as long as they possibly can. And um, I I think it's I think it's silly. Yeah, it sounds silly to us, but if we actually probably saw how he played, it might be a different story. Oh, no, definitely. I mean, James, any thoughts on a seven-year-old getting signed? I mean, obviously, I don't know what kind of contract. I mean, you can uh, relate seven-year-old. it to, um, you know, college football and uh, and how you got kids in high school and middle school being, you know, recruited by That's true, football. but, I mean, you talk junior high, you're talking about 13 to 15-year-olds. In high school, you're talking about 15 to 18-year-olds. We're talking about a seven-year-old. This kid's in second grade. That's Maybe first grade. For Real he, Madrid, he, he, too. Yeah, for Real Madrid. I mean, this is not some little little team. It's Real Madrid. It's an ama- It's you know one of the biggest teams out there. I mean, I'm just surprised by it. I, I, I guess, like, he remember Freddie Adu? Freddie Adu for the U.S. I think, what, we picked this kid up when he was, like, 14? He was, like, 14 he started playing with us. Seven just sounds so young. Yeah, it seems a little far-fetched. Maybe he's quick. He can go of course he's quick. He he's seven. He can go underneath the defenseman <laughs> and, like, slide in. And, you know, he might maybe he's got quite a kick, too. Yeah, right, right past the sweeper. <laughs> he's got to have a kick. I mean, when I was seven, if I kicked a soccer ball, it would, like, go about five feet in front of me. I'd be like, woohoo. I guess all I'm thinking is I remember I played soccer when I was seven and eight. This kid must be leaps and bounds better than the, the kids I was playing with and myself. Because at seven and eight, trust me, 
not too exciting of a soccer game going on there. But I know that's great to hear for this kid. Um, seven years old. I mean, that's some talent. That's some talent. Uh, but let's go to some uh, interesting facts real fast, just to round out the hour. All sure. right. <laughs> No, these are some uh, crime ones. I love these crime ones. They're so goofy. Uh, just all kinds of stupid stuff these people do. Uh, let's see. Edney Raphael, 39, was running from a stabbing in Philadelphia with a bloody knife in his hand, was captured following a foot chase. He had turned his head to see where the officer were and ran smack into a parking meter <laughs> while running away from the cops. I don't know. Watch where you're going. It's like the same baseball. Don't watch the ball. Just run. All right, here's another one. In South Carolina, an inmate who was paralyzed behind bars says in a lawsuit that Spartanburg County jail guards should have stopped him from doing backflips off a desk in his cell. Torrance Johnson, who was suing, who was suing for unspecified damages, said recently that he fell and crushed a vertebrae while he was held in maximum security prison in 1998. That's just dumb. Who does backflips? I mean, I know you get bored in jail. Don't get me wrong, but... Blame the officers. They didn't do anything. <laughs> they don't care. They really don't. Organized crime is estimated to account for 10% of the United States' national income. Huh. <laughs> well, makes sense to me. Organized crime is big still. They think it's not, but it is. <laughs> uh, in a stroke of irony, the max- maximum security prison in St. Albans, Vermont, was responsible in 1996 for sending out public relations brochures enticing tourists to visit Vermont. <laughs> a maximum security prison. Thank you. Pure Michigan, come to Jackson State Penn. <laughs> like, I mean, I just don't see that as working out too well. But uh, let's see. One last one while we got the time. Uh, let's do this one. <laughs> Must be a good one. Uh, I guess it's okay. Uh, let's see. Peter Carpen, a German espionage agent in World War One, was seized by French intelligence agents in 1914 as soon as he entered the country. Keeping his capture a secret, the French sent fake reports from Carowin to Germany and intercepted the agent's wages and expense money until Carpin escaped in 1917. With those funds, the French purchased an automobile, which in 1919 in occupied Ruhr accidentally ran down and killed a man who, uh, who well, let's see, who uh, proved to be Peter Carpin. So the, the car they bought with freeing this guy with the phone ends up killing the guy that they got out. So, uh... A little goofy story for you guys. I really appreciate all of our listeners tuning in this evening to the Spartan Sports Wrap. The Asian Invasion is going to be coming up next. Uh, great show. I want to thank everyone for uh, tuning in again. Megan, thank you always uh-huh. as uh, the great stuff you do. James, thanks for coming on the show. Always appreciate it. It's a joy to be here. Oh, definitely great. Always going to have another great show next Monday, 7 to 8. So uh, definitely tune in for the Spartan Sports Wrap. My name is Dave. I'm Megan. I'm James. You guys have a great night out there. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.